and welcome to this week's Tech Shock from Parent Zone, the podcast that looks at the impact of digital technologies on family life and unpicks the issues for parents, teachers, professionals, and policymakers. I'm Vicky Shockbolt, and I'm the founder and CEO of Parent Zone. And I'm Geraldine Bedell. I'm the executive editor of Parent Zone. This is our last podcast of 2020, a year that I think a lot of us are very happy to see the back of. It's been called the year of the screen, and it's been a year in which almost everyone's relationship with digital technology has shifted. We've been stuck on Zooms and Google Hangouts for what seemed like hours on end. We've been doing online quizzes. We've homeschooled our children. We've worried about whether being glued to a screen all day is harming them. We've been relieved they've had screens to be glued to because it's really hard to imagine what this pandemic would have been like in the pre-digital era. It would have been much harder in many ways, to be sure. So all in all, 2020 has not been what we expected. Vicky, can you remember back to last January and what you thought the year was going to be like? I think I can just about remember, although it does feel like another lifetime. And for me, I think the big standout that was planned and then had to be replanned and scrapped was our programme of live events. So... Back in January, and in fact, this time last year, I remember saying to everybody at PZ, you know, next year is going to be a really busy year because we've got this massive programme of events, nearly a thousand events were already planned, including assemblies for our Be Internet Legends programme that we run with Google. And we had parent events in museums and shopping centres that we were due to run. We were doing community sessions through our Resilient Families programme that we do with the Home Office. So a massive amount of training and events and in our annual conference of course that we put on in October and all of that face-to-face work had to be put on pause and I know that's absolutely as nothing compared to what's happened to theatre companies and performers and those people that rely on live events for their living but you know it's a big part of what we do at Parent Zone and it all had to be stopped. Yeah I remember sitting in the office in March when we announced that we were going to close down which, in fact, we did, I think, about a week or 10 days before the official lockdown. And I was quite pessimistic and always felt that we were going to be out of the office for a long time. But a long time then seemed like three months or possibly, worst case, September. I had no sense, really, of what it was going to be like. Were you surprised that we managed to keep working? I was. And, you know, you obviously had a better grip on it than I did. And, in fact, I remember you and I making the decision to shut down via text messages the night before when you were saying, you know, I do really think it's important that we shut down. And I remember thinking, well, let's take it a week at a time. So we'll shut the office and go remote for a week. And then, you know, maybe we'll be back by Easter. And of course, it was absolutely craziness because it's turned into such a long time. And one of the things I think emerged really, really quickly was that our area of work was going to be more important than ever. And so we really had no choice but to get our act together really quickly. And what we managed to do was to pivot to virtual delivery. So we ended up setting up three live stream studios so that we could carry on delivering interactive events. And it was actually quite an incredible experience because people across Parent Zone were doing things that they'd never been asked to do before, didn't even know they could do. 
and you know we found talents that we didn't know that we had yeah that's right and even those of us who are doing much the same thing were doing it in a completely different way I didn't think at the start of the year that we'd be writing about socially distanced outdoor games not least because the phrase socially distanced which when you think about it is actually a contradiction in terms didn't even exist at the beginning of the year And I didn't think I'd be writing about teenagers in quarantine or celebrating social occasions when you were on your own or thinking about the mental health of children who weren't allowed to go out for more than an hour a day, let alone that that would be all the children in the country. And as we dealt with COVID and lockdown, we saw lots of new issues emerging or old ones becoming much more pressing in different kinds of ways. It was extraordinary, wasn't it? I remember talking to you about our content team and how important it was that we responded to the questions that were coming up then and and were immediate and were presenting new and different problems for families. And there were so many of them. But one of the most obvious that became really clear was digital poverty. We quite quickly noticed, and of course we weren't the only ones that noticed this, that there was a great deal of difference in the way that families were coping with lockdown. We carried out some research with Ipsos Mori that confirmed that lockdown put much more pressure on families that were already facing other kinds of stress. So the the good news from that research was that 77% of parents overall felt that technology helped them during lockdown. That was interesting for us because in recent years, technology has been seen as such a problem for family life. And that's never been our position, of course. But it was really good to see people acknowledging all the benefits that tech could bring. But what was less good was that this acknowledgement was significantly stronger among families with the highest incomes and far worse for those earning under 20000 So the low-income families still recognised that technology helped, but much less enthusiastically. And they also felt that lockdown had done less for family relationships than higher earners. So some families have had a much tougher time. You know, the laptop scheme that the government introduced, I think, was a gesture in the right direction. But digital poverty is about much more than hardware. And as we discussed in our podcast with Sonia Livingston, it's also about connectivity and being able to repair equipment when it's damaged and Actually, you don't have to be living in digital poverty to have found the levels of equipment that families needed quite daunting. So if you have three children, you don't necessarily have three computers at home. But when they're all learning online and schools are closed, that's what you actually need. That's absolutely right. That research made me think that we need to see connectivity much more like a utility Because in a world in which we might all be forced to stay at home, it's absolutely vital that everyone does have access to the internet. And computers are or should be like textbooks for children. They're absolutely essential, no question about it. So as a society, I think we need to think very seriously about the inequalities we're creating for the next generation by expecting individuals to provide these things. You're automatically shutting out a group of children. The other big issue that emerged for us from COVID was children's mental health, which we know has really suffered in the last year. Beforehand, we used to hear all the time about how social media was affecting young people's mental health for the worse. And it has always seemed to us that it ought to be possible to use technology to help in a positive way. And in the end, it was a complete coincidence, but very good timing, that one of our major project launches this year attempted to do just that. Yes, it was one of those moments when something is the right thing at the right time. So we developed Ollie, which is the technology you're talking about, with support from children in need. 
And the core idea was that we wanted to build a tool that would support conversations about mental health at a really early stage between parents and children. So we know that parents are the best resource that children have, 24-hour workforce that cares more about their children than anybody else possibly could. And we know that parents talk to their children all the time. They are the very definition of first responders, I would say. So what we figured was that if we provided a little bit of scaffolding around those conversations to help children get their thoughts in order and to give parents some useful tips and information, that little bit of help would make a huge difference. And of course, that concept is now critical because not only is children's mental health suffering during this pandemic, their access to any sort of professional help is much more limited. So parents are once again the backstop, coping alone, and Ollie's there as a tool, one small thing that is designed to help them. Yeah, it was really exciting working on that this year. And I think it'll be even more exciting to start to see the kinds of responses that we get from parents and families. The other policy area of this year, which is not particularly COVID-related, although like all things probably exacerbated by COVID, is gambling. And we've been campaigning for some time for loot boxes in online games to be treated as gambling. And the government does now seem to be looking at this. As we've discussed before on this podcast, loot boxes use gambling-like mechanisms in online games. They deploy gambling-like techniques of psychological manipulation. They're already classified as gambling in some other countries. And if they were regulated as gambling in the UK, it would be illegal for children to access them. On the face of it, loot boxes seem to be teaching a generation to gamble. And we hope that in 2021, we might get some action on this. Yeah, I think we strongly hope, don't we, that 2021 will be the year when gaming and gambling are no longer quite so closely related But then after what's been a really difficult and challenging year for all of us, last week we've seen the long-awaited response to the consultation on the government's white paper on online harms. Yes, we have. And not just that, the EU also published a piece of legislation, actually on exactly the same day, the Digital Services Act, which I think has to be more than a coincidence, bit of legislative posturing going on there possibly on both sides. There have also been a number of significant moves against the tech companies in the United States, coming at them from various angles on data protection, on monopolies, on an allegation of manipulating the advertising market. And the Irish government has also in the last month or two introduced an online safety bill. So as Ed Vasey, the former digital minister, said the other day, you wait years for action and then 75 bits of legislation come along at once. It must feel to the industry a bit like being encircled by a hostile army. So what do you make, Vicky, of the UK government's proposals? I think it is extraordinary, isn't it, that we have waited so long for the end of self-regulation, if you like, and now so much regulation seems to be coming along. And I would say that I am cautiously optimistic. The response establishes a duty of care, which we've talked about with Will Perrin on a previous podcast. It establishes Ofcom as a regulator, which makes sense. Most of all, there's a really, really strong focus on harms to children. All platforms and services will have a duty to do everything they can to avoid harms to children. I think, you know, the government's response is still quite high level. Um, There's no definition of online harms and the priority harms for which platforms have to make risk assessments and take action have not yet been set out. So 
We don't exactly know what the threshold for harm will be in those cases, but I am cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think the good news is that the white paper hasn't been watered down. And in some places, it actually seems to have been strengthened. Private channels, for example, were exempted in the original white paper, but that's no longer the case. And as we discussed with John Carr on this podcast, the overwhelming majority of reports of child sexual abuse material in 2019, 16 million of them, came from Facebook Messenger and Instagram Direct, which, of course, are private channels. So that really matters. I think that will make a difference. And interestingly, Oliver Dowd and the Secretary of State at the DCMS said in Parliament that the fact that a service was end-to-end encrypted wouldn't protect it from the duty of care. So although encryption didn't actually get mentioned in this document, it does seem that the government is pretty determined that platforms are going to have to be responsible for knowing what's going on, regardless of whether there's encryption or not. Of course, it's not perfect, is it? There are some things still missing. There certainly are. Some quite big things like financial harms and misogyny. And the focus is on individual harms rather than on social harms. Although it does seem that anti-COVID vaccination content will be included on the grounds that that can also cause harms to individuals as well as society at large. And then, of course, there's the big question about when the legislation is actually going to appear. When the white paper was published 18 months ago, it felt like it was breaking new ground. But now there are proposals for legislation popping up everywhere. Canada's expected to publish strong proposals in January, for example. Yeah, people are talking, hopefully, about a bill early in the new year, although the government is actually only committed to next year. So I think we'll be lucky if we see it early in the year, personally. On the upside, though, large parts of it are apparently already drafted and there is going to be some pre-legislative scrutiny from Parliament. So things are happening, even if a bit slowly. And I think next year will be really quite busy on this front, not only with this bill, but the government's also expected to publish new policy on societal harms, as you said, on democracy, for example, and on unlocking competition in digital markets, allowing new entrants, and probably on financial harms too. And there's going to be a digital literacy strategy in the spring. We've been working on digital literacy for years, one way and another, through the Be Internet Legends programme, as well as in other ways. So I think that'll be especially interesting for us. What would you like to see next year, Vicky? I think we are guaranteed an interesting year next year. It's definitely going to be busy and I think it's definitely going to be interesting. But for me, it has to be about opportunity. So one of the things we've done this year is support a new youth-led initiative called Voicebox. And that's all about making sure young people have a platform to join in these debates. And I think we're going to have a massive amount of work to do to make sure that families recover And digital is going to be absolutely critical to that. So as we've always said at Parent Zone, yes, of course, safety's got to be there. It has to be a given. You've got to be able to rely on it. And the reason you've got to be able to rely on the internet being a safe enough place for your family is that because it's vital that everyone can benefit from the opportunities of living in such a connected world. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. There's so much potential opportunity online. And sometimes I think it's easy for us all to lose sight of that in the anxiety that we feel about the risks and harms. 
And I think we're in the middle of an effort to reset the relationship between users and platforms. And we're undoubtedly, as you say, seeing an end to self-regulation. And that's not just a UK thing. It's the same in many countries around the world. And it's to be hoped that in that process, we move our focus a bit more away from all the things that can go wrong to the opportunities that are online and the things that can go right and the ways in which digital technologies can work for us and what good technology actually looks like. Here, legislation will have to set a threshold for harmful content, which is easier said than done. But I think the decisions that have been taken so far to focus on system regulation and business models rather than on individual pieces of content does seem to be the right one. It's the right direction to be going in because quite apart from anything else, focusing on content alone would be massively unwieldy. I don't see how Ofcom or any other organisation could possibly deal with the volumes that they would then have to deal with. So I think that the government's arrived at some pretty good principles, but actually turning those principles into legislation will be harder and it remains to be seen how they're enforced. I also suspect it's going to be quite a touchy year in some ways because there are bound to be areas of disagreement, not least about what we all understand by free speech. And there are very different definitions of that. And it was a really interesting conversation, I thought, with Joe Mulhall last week about how what is often traditionally defined as free speech actually stops the speech of many people. So we'll hope, I think, to be part of those discussions, speaking up for families. And I think it's interesting, as you say, that all this is happening against a background of utter dependence on the internet. Most people, I think, probably don't have quite the same attitudes towards digital at the start of 2021 as they did at the start of 2020. We've had to live with digital in a completely different way over this year. And I think it'll be fascinating to see how that develops as we come out of lockdown and start to get together again. Personally, I'll be very, very disappointed if summer 2021 isn't basically one big party. But in the meantime, I think we're going to take a break now until mid-January when we'll be back on the 18th with the next episode of Tech Shock from Parents Zone. My name's Geraldine Bedell and it's a happy new year for me. And I'm Vicky Shockbolt. Thank you for being with us in this year of the screen. And a very happy new year from me. Listen to Tech Shock from Parent Zone every week on Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to sign up, download, and please do give us a five-star rating so other people can be helped to find us. <laughs>